Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. The Word of God says in Psalm 119, The entrance of your words or the unfolding of your words gives light and imparts understanding to the simple. Today I want to discuss why the Reformation was necessary. And to do so, I want to rely upon John Calvin, who wrote a defense entitled The Necessity of the Reformation to the Emperor Charles V. Psalm 80 begins with these words. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. First, let's consider some words in reference to the Protestant Reformation in the early 1500s. The first word is to repair. When something is broken, it needs to be repaired. That is, it needs to be fixed. Now, when something is deformed, we use the word reform to mean restructuring and putting something back into its original shape or form. When something is dying, we use the word revive, which means to renew its life, to bring back its strength and life, to restore its life energy and force. Now, the Catholic Church in medieval Europe was in great need of reform. It needed, in fact, in a way, all of these things, but in different areas. But its primary need was in the need of reformation. That is, it had deformed the Christian faith, both in its structure and in its life expressed in its worship. And therefore, this had obstructed the way of salvation by which men found acceptance with God. It was past a fix-it-up job. It needed a restructuring according to the pattern and truth laid down in the Holy Scriptures and reflected in the worship that was recorded of the first century church. John Calvin was called on by Martin Bucer to defend the Reformation in an address that would be read to the Emperor Charles V on the necessity of the reform of the church. And this defense was presented to the emperor in an imperial diet in the year 1544. And some of his opening lines are very important, and they set the tone for the entire document. Let me read it to you. If one should ask on what things Christianity chiefly stands among us and retains its truth, the following not only certainly holds first place, but also comprehended under themselves all the remaining parts, and to that degree the whole force of Christianity, that people may know first how God is rightly worshipped, and second, whence they must seek salvation for themselves. Now when these things are taken away, even if we boast the name of Christ, our profession is empty and useless. So the most important issues, according to Calvin, is worship, the restoration 
of the biblical pattern and content of worship. And secondly, the matter of how man is made righteous before God. So he's speaking about justification. When these things are taken away, then all manner of things go wrong. Now, after these things follow the sacraments, that is the holy rituals of the church that are ordained by Christ and the government of the church. Now, these things have been added to by the church over the centuries, and they have been deformed and infused, in fact, well, idolatrous practices. But it's the matter of how a man is made right with God and how we rightly worship God that are the first issues that need reformation. He goes on to say this, After these things, follow the sacraments and the government of the church. Just as the latter were established for the preservation of the former doctrines, so they should not be applied to anything else, nor can they be judged from, in, from elsewhere, except when they are considered for this end or this purpose. Here is a familiar and clear analogy. The government in the church, that is the pastoral office, and the rest of the orders, together with the sacraments, represent the body. However, the doctrine, that doctrine which prescribes the rule of rightly worshiping God, which shows where people's consciences should place their trust for salvation, represents the soul, which takes breeze into the body itself, rendering it alive and active and preventing it from being a dead and useless corpse. He's saying that the worship of the church must reflect rightly how a person is rightly related to God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ alone, based upon the order or the pattern laid down for worship in the sacred scriptures, especially of the New Testament. These are some of the remarks with which Calvin begins his defense for the necessity of the reforming of the church. So Calvin places the worship of God as the first of the reforming Reformation issues. We often think it was justification, and certainly that would probably be Luther's perspective. But Calvin says the first of the Reformation issues is the right worship of God. In an earlier letter to Cardinal Salado, he had said, there is nothing more perilous to our salvation than a prosperous and perverse worship of God. And he then goes on to accuse the medieval Catholic Church of engaging in such preposterous and perverse worship of God. Since worship is when we meet God, it must be in accordance with God's standard. That is, it must be as laid out in God's word. He considered self-created or whale worship as a form of works righteousness and as an expression of idolatry. The second most important issue is the salvation of people, namely the doctrine of justification by faith in Christ alone. Our only salvation is based on God's gratuitous mercy and without 
in without which any respect to works, God freely adopts persons in Christ by imputing the righteousness of Christ to them. And they get in Christ by placing their faith in him, in what he did for them on the cross and what he does for them now as their priest in heaven. This is called the righteousness of faith in which a person has no confidence in his works, but has full confidence of his acceptance with God in a righteousness which is outside of himself, but a righteousness from God imputed to him, credited to him by God's sovereign grace. These are the two primary issues at stake in the Reformation. And is the recovery of these that was being blocked by the structure and the teaching that had grown up for the past thousand years in the church that necessitated the Reformation. It could not simply be repaired. The malady was too deep. There must be a reviving of spiritual life through conversion of people by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit in the use of the word of God rightly read and proclaimed in the language of the people so that they could understand what God in Christ had done for them and placed their full confidence in him alone. Anytime these kind of things come into the church, whether it was in medieval Europe or whether it's in our own day, we must consider this maxim, that the church must always be reforming. That does not mean that it's going back in the sense of a total reformation, but it means that we must be always alert to the areas in the life of the church, in its expression, in its worship, and in its teaching, where the focus is shifted from God and his glory, from Christ and his work, as the divine person on our behalf in his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and ministry in heaven to man and how we seek to please God and earn merit from God by the way we do things or the words that we say or our own will worship of just worshiping God in the way we want to, not necessarily in accordance with the principles and instructions laid down in his holy word. We must always be alert to these things and take corrective action as they are discovered. We must make our worship be God-centered, filled with Christ, saturated with the truths of God's word, read and proclaimed in the language of the people, summoning people always in repentance and faith to confidently place their hope in Christ. We must do these things in order to please God and in order to keep the church pure and on its path of sanctification. May God help us to look objectively at our own lives, at the lives of our churches, in light of these truths, and seek always to conform our worship and our faith to that which God himself has shown us to be the heart, to be the soul of the life of his people. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights.